Hola, and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Rick and Morty, which we'll be getting into today. I'm Alex Bonilla, your host for this week's edition of the Council of Overly Animated Rick Hosts. Still workshopping a name, so don't worry, that won't be permanent. But <laughs> here, our contestants will compete for who has the best opinions about the latest episode of Rick and Morty, Pickle Rick. For more discussion on the episode, you could always find our initial recap pod, which is available on OverlyAnimated.com, on iTunes, or on your preferred alternative podcatcher. Uh, however, none of the people on this show have given their thoughts on the podcast so far, so it's not necessary that you have listened to the previous one to enjoy this thing, or whether it ends up being a masterpiece or a train wreck, who knows. <laughs> but let's introduce our Morty Testants. Uh, first, we have April Collins. Hey! And we have Michelle Andrew. Hello. And we have John McKenna. Hi, everybody. So, these three contestants will be graded today on accuracy, eloquence, how well you defend your position, and uniqueness. And we'll also be giving bonus points this time around if you can successfully rebut or argue against someone else's point. And uh, obviously, we will see if uh, we have any hot takes that will obviously help your chances in this uh, game of random points. So, are we are we ready to to get down to business? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, we'll begin with our opening round. First, uh, talking about our general impressions of the episode. If you want to give a grade to this episode, anywhere from A to F, based on your arbitrary scales, uh, explain how you got to that decision. Uh, we'll start with April. How 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 did you think of Pick a Rick this week? I'm giving this episode an A. So, just a straight A. <laughs> and uh, any reason behind that? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> My, it, like, cut out, so I was like, oh, no, did I leave? Um, but uh, I, so I'm giving this episode a solid A. There were some parts that were seemed kind of slow for me, um, which we'll kind of get into later. Uh, but for overall, I really enjoyed this episode. Um it was a lot of fun, um, really crazy and extremely dark. So I'm into all of those things. <laughs> okay, okay, H hitting all, all the all the important points early. Uh, Michelle, how how would you grade this episode? I was kind of torn between B plus A minus range. Um, I think for me, like based on how the season quality has gone like there has not been a bad episode so far like all three of the first ones have been really strong but i think this one didn't have like as many like incredibly to me funny moments um like it was the content was very solid but not as many things stuck out as being like oh that was like such a good gag or that was such a good line um so yeah i'd say somewhere between a b plus and an a minus okay okay and john well how, how would you grade this episode it's a solid A minus. I loved how for the first time we actually had a Rick and Morty episode where Rick was in the A plot and Morty was in the B plot. They weren't all in the A plot or the B plot. So I thought it was pretty interesting just to see Rick on his own without Morty and Morty on his own in a family therapy session, which wound up being about Rick. So you got to sort of see that sort of how do they what are they like without each other? And with the great pickle action scenes, the plot that of the government building that went that seemed to come out of absolute nowhere, and the <laughs> yeah. fact that you got a, and and the fact that we had ther a therapy session, which actually did sort of reveal a little bit about the family's relationship with Rick, Beth's relationship with Rick, and how the kids are sort of 
you know, off to the side, even though it was meant to be for them. It was a really fun episode. That's why I put it in the A minus range. Okay, very good. So, well, we'll give April two points here. May, may not uh, too too um, concise of an very too concise of an explanation. Uh, Michelle will also give two points. Good explanation, but wavering between B plus and A minus, not good. You need to have a s- more solid. Oh, take you here. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never my strong point. Yeah. <laughs> so just two points, and John will give the full three here. Very solid explanation to to the point, and did hone in on some specifics as well that we will be talking about in the rest uh, rest of this episode. But good answer by him. So uh, th- three points for John, two for April and Michelle so far. But now let, let's drill down into more of the specifics. We'll start with the MVP of the episode. Which character stood out the most to, to you this time around? Let's start with Michelle first. Um, oh, this is going to be bad. Okay, I'll just pick one because this was hard for me. Um, I think we learned a lot about Beth this episode, which I was not expecting. I don't think she's been a character that's been like super fleshed out in B-plots very often, like on her own. Um, and I think this one did a really great job seeing her juxtaposed to Dr. Wong and seeing how the way her relationship with Rick is like kind of messing up like her family dynamic, how it's like made the divorce possible, how like, and just like how like, it was really funny to see that like Morty and Summer like really liked Dr. Wong and they thought that the therapy session was like super helpful and just like, oh no, that sucked, which feels like a very Rick response. So just like seeing how, her relationship with Rick, like, has, like, developed her in this way. I think it's, like, really fascinating. And I kind of hope the show delves into that more because, like, yeah. I can't really think of a lot of, like, solo Beth moments we've had that weren't about either Jerry or the kids. So I really, really thought she stood out this episode. Okay, good. Yeah, Beth, Beth was definitely a superstar of this episode. I agree there. Um, let's go to John. Who would you say is the MVP here? Um, as much as I want to say a, a different name for diversity sake, I'm going to have to agree with Michelle and say uh, Beth, because this, I think, is probably the best Beth episode we've had so far. And mm-hmm. yes, that's it's absolutely right. She is definitely very much like Rick, and we've never had a chance to really see that. But when you consider that, going back to the be- the first two, two seasons and a little bit of the first episode of season three, she... You know, she is basically Rick and Jerry is basically Morty. And you do sort of see that sort of, I know I'm smarter than everybody in the room. I, I'm i a horse surgeon. I'm very intelligent. I don't like it when people are too emotional. You definitely saw that here more than anything else. And that really came full. That really came out in full in the session. And that definitely speaks to a lot. It really fills in a lot about her character. And it really... Definitely makes it a lot more understandable that she is Rick's. Da- she is very much her father's daughter. So yeah, I have to go with Beth. Okay, okay. So we're we're same answer so far. We'll see how that helps you later with the scoring. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now now April, who would you say is the MVP here? Oh, you're gonna be so mad because I um, also put Beth down as oh. well. Well, we did very much yeah. enjoy like. Perfect score. No, I definitely agree with everyone. Like this was this was a Beth episode. Like if if you if if I would have to say like what was like the main plot and then what was the subplot of this episode, it, probably Beth is like the the main plot. Just because you're getting like so much of her character that we haven't seen before. And like um I think it's just great because like the therapist isn't even attacking her at all in any way. She's just 
trying to talk through like whatever it is that's going on and and she keeps trying to like push off like the session like this isn't me this is about the kids and then when she just like turns to the therapist and she's like fuck you and then she's like (laughs) (laughs) and then she like turns to her kids and she's like you know what fuck you both too like that's (laughs) like it is the most honest thing that like beth has ever said like like in the entirety of the show just because like She's not being attacked, but she's taking it that way because she is. She is so much like Rick, and we don't. We haven't seen that in her until now. And then, like in the end, like whenever like Summer and Morty are just like trying to be like, "Oh, are we going back?" Like I really enjoyed that. That was great. She's just sitting there talking about getting a drink with Rick. Like, <laughs> like you're a great parental figure in this moment. I'm really proud of you. Shay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, very good. Uh, I probably would have also gone Beth in this situation. So uh, you're you're all getting a point because that is the correct answer here. Uh, Michelle will give the full three uh, three points. I think you expressed your point very very well. Uh, John will give you one point since I think you mirrored a bit too much of what Michelle was saying. Hey, April, you did drill down on, on the, some detailed lines there that especially highlight what we took out of Beth. So we'll give you two points there. So yes. <laughs> now. <laughs> Now we'll, we'll move on to the to the lightning round. First, we'll focus on what do you think was the funniest line to come to come out of this episode. Let's start with John. What what is your candidate here? Um, I have to go with the evil British dude, sound, who's voiced by Peter Chernowitz. It was, he is an animal. You are an intelligent pickle. We could do business. <laughs> That's a really good line. It, take it out of isolation, and you say that, and you're thinking, what the. F- fuck did i just watch but then <laughs> it's but it is it is it's patently absurd but it's the fact that a he's evil and he's trying to negotiate and b he is in fact arguing with an intelligent pickle because yes that is that is a thing in this episode it is a pick it is pickle rick um that was just hilarious it was you know it, it's a, it's still it's a classic sort of spy sort of comedy spy thriller type thing but it had that element of uniquely Rick and Morty absurdity to it that just made it. Okay, okay, very, very good. Um, not exactly my first choice, but it, it is a good line, especially in that uh, when you just consider the absurdity of this entire concept. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go to April. What, what, what would be your funniest line of the episode? My funniest line uh, is, I don't do magic, Morty. I do science. One takes brain and the other takes eyeliner. And then I love (laughs) (laughs) Which was just, it was just like, upon first hearing it, it was just so absurd. And then I like got that like second like laugh out of it afterwards whenever Rick was using the cockroach brains to like basically make a a suit that he could walk around in while he was a a pickle and i was like haha like way to prove your own point so best line for me okay good one good one uh michelle what would be your candidate here oh man i feel bad (laughs) my sense of humor is very stupid um i really like the part when he chops off the the rat head and the other rats there he's like oh oh is this your friend oh don't worry he died doing what he loved being a dumb fucking rat <laughs> it just like it made me like literally laugh out loud because it was so stupid but so funny and that was the only time i had the episode so i had to put it down it's like it's not clever it's just like amazingly stupid which is what i love about it okay <laughs> well it's also very rick yeah, it's yeah. very 
very off the cuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think we'll we'll give Michelle to, uh, two points. They're probably not the correct answer, but it's de- but it's definitely a, like uh, Rick and Morty does have the highbrow humor, but it also goes lowbrow, and it's usually very successful there as well. And it is a unique answer, so we'll give you two points there. Uh, John will also give you two uh, two points. I, I think it is a good a good line. The the convincing didn't exactly get all the way to me. Like it is funny, but I don't think it stands out in this episode. April will give the full three points because that was a good good explanation of how the joke gets even more funny once you consider the other actions of Rick later in the episode. So we'll give you the f- the, the full amount there. And uh, just before we move on, uh, are there any um uh, any con- um se- second place or other contenders that you were thinking of when you thought about this question? I really liked the bit where the cat comes up to Pickle Rick <laughs> at the beginning, and he's like, "I've seen the YouTube videos. I know what you're thinking. I'm not a snake." Like, <laughs> I didn't know that was why they were afraid of cucumbers. That yeah. makes so much sense, though. <laughs> it's like an evolutionary thing. So because they're like wired to think that the long green like shape is a snake, and so that's why they get scared or like hiss and like attack it. And so, like, it's just great because, like, he's referencing something that was, like, a trending, like, thing amongst, like, YouTube. Like, people putting up all those videos of their cats being scared of cucumbers. So, that one also stood out to me. <laughs> yeah, that was a very niche joke. I, I, I'm not in tune with YouTube culture, and I, I have only had a cat for a very brief amount of time, so I never had experience scaring them with cucumbers, but all right. <laughs> you do have to you have a cucumber on. in your home? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I probably had cucumbers less time than I had a cat, but... <laughs> so, <laughs> so now we'll move on more to the favorite uh, gag here, So which, uh, which uh, maybe more drawn-out thing that was funny to you in this episode. Uh, let's go with uh, Michelle here. Well, Michelle, what, what would be your best gag of the episode? I mean, again, my sense of humor. I just lost it over like the summer hovering pottery glaze is why she got in trouble. <laughs> like, oh my god, summer! And then at the end, when they're like trying to like, okay, like, like the the therapist is like trying to help them like talk oh, through their problems. She- eye statements. Yeah, and then she's like, I just hope people can realize that I'm not doing this because of like my personal life. I just really like want to get high. I'm like, oh yeah, good, good job, good share, yeah. summer. It was just. I love that it was it's a completely normal thing to do. Yes, right. <laughs> I just really love that. Okay, okay. Um, J- John, would would you like to offer your candidate here? I would say for best gag, I probably would I probably kind of liked it when Jaguar and Rick were in that shootout in in that room, mostly because of just how Again, it, playing into that sort of spy versus spy type crime thriller again, you have Jaguar basically saying, you know, how he doesn't actually want to kill him because it's strictly business, and and then Rick saying, you know, dying will be a great new experience for you. That whole sort of exchange, it's sort of like it was riff on, you know, those really cheesy the Galt shooter movies, which is kind, of, which is really funny, which is really funny, and also how they were trying to repair each other's wounds. Jaguar's using fire and some sort of like various tools, and Rick is using mustard spare pickle from a sandwich <laughs> and a staple so it, it just again it's i'm not sure if it really counts as a gag but i did sort of liked how they're able to be a little bit meta with the with the genre i really sort of play i really sort of play into that it was a good riff 
Okay. And April, what would be your favorite gag of the episode? So my favorite gag, which I feel like might have been like the most immature one, is that uh, the therapist uh, was there for family counseling, and she also saw people who had an addiction to eating poop. And like, (laughs) and it was never like a fully addressed thing. Like, it starts with like, there's that sandwich of the, like the picture of the guy eating the sandwich and it says like courage. 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 Yeah. And they, and they like talk about it. And then the one teacher comes out and he's like, Oh, how long have you guys all been eating poop? And they're like, Oh, we don't do that. And then it gets even better when like Morty's just sitting there in the office and he just picks up that book and he like turns the page and he's like, oh my God, there's pictures of people eating poop in there. And then like, what did you expect? Like this, this has been set up for you, Morty. And then the, the, the therapist just takes the, uh, the book and it completely ignores his concerns. Like, and then again, they bring it. She's like, yeah, if you know anyone, um, who needs some family therapy or has an addiction to eating poop, like give them my card. And it's like, <laughs> like we're not going to talk about that at all but i did every time they referenced it i laughed so i'm gonna give it that okay good uh alex hot take on cold food hot take on cold food oh no (laughs) what's the cold food you're gonna talk about (laughs) is poop best eaten hot or cold Hmm. (laughs) anybody have experience depends on if you actually like it yeah. You know, I don't have a uh, I don't have a opinion on this matter. <laughs> so, and I'm not even going to try and begin to start an opinion on the matter by trying to do like justifications like, "Oh, well if it's like hot like melted chocolate, then that's one thing." Or, "Nope, we're not going to do that." So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, I was referencing pickles, but fine, we'll go right to poop. I mean, well. it is the Rick and Morty. Might as well go all the way to the deep end. <laughs> or we could just talk about hot dogs. That would also work. There <laughs> you go. They're the, they're the right. same shape. <laughs> vaguely, vaguely. <laughs> so I'd, a likely very different taste. What? What? I said a likely very different taste. Oh, different. Yeah. Yes. I was I was worried you yes. said similar. I was worried. <laughs> yeah, I was worried about that too. That's why I was like, like I had to take a moment and be like, wait, what? <laughs> oh. So I think you you all get three points. I think you all went re- really different directions, and you all explained your um, your um, reasonings very well. Um, before we move on to the next thing, just the uh, side question that you might be able to get a bonus point out of. The actual gag of just Rick being a pickle in this entire episode, mm-hmm. does it work for you? Yeah. So let's start with uh, Michelle. The, the, does Rick being a pickle, is that a successful gag? Yeah, I was not expecting to be into that. Because, like, it kind of bugged me in the Tiny Rick episode when he kept being like, I'm Tiny Rick. I'm like, yeah, I know. You said that, like, five times already. <sighs> But um, it, it really worked for me here. And he doesn't say it, like, all the time. I feel like it's, like, a decent amount, like, sprinkled throughout the episode. But it's not, like, overbearing. And the fact that he evolves, like, he goes from just, like, being at the mercy to, like, the sun and the cat and the rain to, like, figuring out how to poke brains with his tongue to, like, make a body for himself. And, like, getting to the actual therapy session, which was, like, pretty amazing to do in, like, I don't know, maybe an hour. 
So yeah, it actually I, it worked really well for me. And like even though it got like real gore, it was like kind of cool. I was like into it. It's like yeah, look at this badass pickle rig, just like killing all these rats and stuff. I just I thought it was really really funny. Okay, April and John, any disagreements there? It's no rip. Right. <laughs> well, my favorite thing, my favorite part about it is like, like there was so much hype for like this pickle Rick thing. And then at the beginning of the episode, it's like exactly what it should have been. He couldn't do anything. He was just literally at the mercy of like everyone no or cared. everything. No one was impressed by it at all. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, but look, I'm a pickle. And Morty's like, okay, like you're a pickle so <laughs> like what what's supposed to come out of this and then the rest of the episode is just like like because you you're literally set up with no expectations and then you get into it and it's like okay this is where we're going like we've moved from cockroaches to rats and here we are now so <laughs> and i love how morty was also expecting more because he's like, well, can you fly? Can you walk? He's like, well, I be, would be much of a pickle if I could. Now, would I? <laughs> Which was right. like, it's like, well, yeah, that's true. He is a pickle in the truest sense of the word. And then it, your mind shifts to, in your mind, all mega shifts to, okay, why is he a pickle man then? So he could get out of therapy. <laughs> Which, how It shows how much he hates therapists if the, his one reaction to how do I get out of therapy is, I'm going to become a pickle. Like, how long did he sit there and think about it? Like, where he was like, okay. not that long even, well, though. Like, well, because I'm, I'm just, like, I'm imagining him, like, sitting there being like, oh, uh, like, Beth signed us up for therapy. Like, uh, how can I get out of this? Uh, what? How? Like, and then just being like, oh, uh, okay, I'm going to turn myself into a pickle. And then, like, that was it. The <laughs> yeah, thing he said was, like, it, it was a challenge for me, which it kind of was. Like, he had to, like, figure out how to, like, get a body and, like, control his environment from being in a very, like, incapacitated state. Which I can see for somebody who's, like, as brilliant as Rick, that being, like, a very fun brain exercise. Brilliant. But, <laughs> yeah, that's part of why I liked it, too, because he does evolve a lot over time. And he's not just, like a pickle he gets to like have a body and he like made a crazy contraption that like sticks new arms and legs and i'm like how long did that take how did he do that before he had arms and legs just like so many questions but i bought into it <laughs> i just wonder how long he had like if he if he's had this in his back pocket for a long time like one day I, as an idea yeah, like i, ha- yeah, I have this formula here well, why don't you use it <laughs> Uh, okay um this bonus point thing probably backfired in my face since i think you all deserved one in the end so (laughs) so you all finished with with four points in this question but we'll go to the last question of the of the lightning round here with also background since i don't think we're being that lightning in this (laughs) this round (laughs) but uh, rank your guest stars here so we have susan sarandon playing dr wong the therapist slash coprophagia treater Uh, we have danny trejo as jaguar and Peter Serafinowicz says the director of the compound or wherever Rick is stuck. Uh, let's start with April this time around. Uh, how would you rank the three guests here? So my ranking is going to be um, I've thought a lot about I thought a lot about it and then I've changed it a lot as well. So bear with me. Um, but I put uh, Peter, then Susan, and then Danny. Just because, um, like, given, like, the characters that they've kind of done and what their sort of role is in the episode, like, I'm just imagining each one of them in, like, a recording booth, 
like try like delivering their lines most likely by themselves. And so I think uh, Peter Peter's voice like acting was really well considering the lines that he had to deliver. Uh, Susan's were good. You know, she had those random comments about poop and I'm just wondering like how many times she had to like stop and laugh or if she didn't have to. And then Danny Trejo, I just seemed like that's kind of who he is and like, like his typecasting. So it wasn't like that much of a surprise for me. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's go to Michelle. Uh, how, how would you ra- rank these guests? Um, so I'm not going to remember the guest names. So I'm just going to call them by their character sure, names. Sure. <laughs> but uh, I put Dr. Wong as number one because she was like in the whole episode. So we got to like see like her, her place in the episode more. And I thought it was just I always love when we like we never know like if we're going to get like more perspective on like character analysis but this episode worked really well for that mostly for beth but i'd argue to an extent for marty and beth um summer too and i just love dr wong as a character like i know we're gonna talk more later about the value of therapy but just like it was really interesting just like hearing her like represent like that maybe the average like therapist perspective of why therapy is helpful and like how they operate and how it like really pisses off some people and some people like that was really great I feel like I learned a lot yeah I want to go back so I really enjoyed her as a character um second would be the compound director just because like I loved his voice so much (laughs) I thought it was so good and I thought it was really interesting and honestly Jaguar, like, I wasn't that into, and we can get into that later, because I do think he was kind of one of the weaker parts of the episode. I wasn't that into him, because we just didn't know him that long. He was kind of thrown in in the third, like, third of the thing, and and then it was like, okay, like, I'm supposed to care about you, but, like, I don't know if I do, because, like, there you are, but, like, now it's over. Okay. So that's <laughs> that's my ranking. Okay, okay. So we have Sar- Sarandon, Serafinowitz, Trejo here. And we'll end with John. How would you rank the guest stars this week? Oh, the perils of going last. Uh, Sarandon, <laughs> one. Therefore, two. Ed Trejo, three. Ed, I think I'll start for the bottom here as justification. Uh, Danny Trejo, again, Jaguar did not have that many lines. He was a great yeah. character in the show. I liked, I loved the ending where he winds up saving them from uh, Concerto. Which was, <laughs> yeah, that was, was kind so of lit, surprising. It's like, oh, you thought this could be an episode? Oh, nope, it's the it's a two minute stinger. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I mean, but he didn't. He didn't have too much dialogue. Or, you know, the contrived. I have to. I have to rescue my daughter. She's still alive. That kind of thing. He was all right. He was solid. Good interaction with Rick, but nothing too special. Uh, Seraph, Peter Serafowitz at two. Again, he was a great sort of British double crossing villain. He ticked all the boxes. He had that had that perfect evil aura about him. He knew. He went across paths. So he was trying trying to get out of it. It was he definitely was the smart guy in the room, and he really played that role well. And what can you say about Susan Sarandon as Doctor Wong? The fact <laughs> he was able to inject so much humor into her role as a therapist, and this specifically, she kept that calm, level voice throughout. She sounded like a therapist. It was she didn't raise the voice. She didn't really go to anything goofy. It, m- it could have been so easy to do in a show like this to you know attempt to maybe play a little bit goofier, but the fact she played such a straight character and still worked in a lot of those comedic lines within those long frames of dialogue was perfect. So that's why she was number one for me. Okay, okay. 
So we'll give April three points here, but primarily impulsed by her, both her reasoning as well as being unique here and putting Serafinowitz at the top. And I do agree that he deserves a lot of praise for his, his work in this episode. Uh, M Michelle will will give two. Uh, um, so solid ranking, I think. M maybe a, a bit stronger on the takes. And John will give a full three points. You did have the same order as Michelle, but I think you did a better job at expressing what what made these uh, characters stand out here. So you'll, you'll finish with the, with the full points. But now we'll go into our out-of-bounds segment here. We can maybe settle down a little longer. We'll go into a bit deeper topic. And this uh, this week, the deepest topic that we probably got into was about the value of therapy. We have Rick just uh, crushing the, the profession while the therapist defends the, va the value of, talk, of talking things out as well as expressing how Rick, uh, how his life has been uh, affecting the family so far. But in this debate that we saw in the episode, wh whose side do you think has most merit here? Uh, let's start with Michelle. Wh who would you take in, in this debate between Rick and Dr. Wong? Um, well, mm. <laughs> I'm not sure. And the reason I'm not sure is because at the end with that random, like, two-minute scene when, when Rick was like, see, this is why, like, I don't need therapy. It's like, you kind of get why Rick, like, thinks the way he does, and I don't think, I don't know, I think part of what the therapist was saying in defense of therapy was just like, you know, you you have choices, and things can either work for you or they don't. So I'm not even convinced that the therapist is like, therapy's for everyone, you know? So it's it's a hard call because Rick's kind of like, I don't think therapy is like useful at all. Like not just for me, but probably for anyone. And the therapist is like, well, there can be therapy can be really helpful. Clearly, like Beth pushed back against it a lot. But Maureen Summer really, really responded well to it. So honestly, I was with feeling like, OK, it's like a personal choice then. And there is no right or wrong answer. <laughs> so I'm that's kind of my stance. And yeah. Yep. Okay, interesting. Uh, jo John, your reactions? Um, I think I'm going to side with the therapist on this one because when I was I, when I listened to the therapist dialogue, I think I listened to that section more than any other in the episode. It was, in a sense, a sort of backhanded compliment because she's saying, you know, for you, therapy is boring. Like, for me, it's boring to brush my teeth or wipe my ass. And she's absolutely right. If you're Rick and you're a mega genius... Uh, what is therapy to you? To him, he feels like whatever he's doing is right and proper because he's thought it out scientifically. Uh, he doesn't need a therapist to put his life in order. But then she says something I think was important. It's that, yes, for you, science is an adventure. And therapy, uh, maintaining relationships, it's it's work. It's not fulfilling. But you have to maintain them. You have to keep them going. You have to nurture these relationships or these relationships die. And it's like saying, you know, you know, you're, you're smart. We get it. You don't need hu normal human relationships. You can just sort of move on to the next project. What is everybody to you? And in a sense, she's right. I mean, Rick knows he has infinite dimensions. Uh, who can blame him if he doesn't want to get attached uh, in, to his family or to friends? Because he can just bop over to the next one and try again. So in a sense, she was right in that she was able to pinpoint Rick's personality in a way that the show hadn't gone on before. Even though I agree with Rick that he doesn't need therapy, the therapist kind of agreed too and was able to sort of say and was able to get that point across that Rick, you know, you know, he doesn't want to work, doesn't want to do something that isn't adventurous. So 
I'd have to go with the therapist on this one. Okay, so so far we have one for the therapist, one for I don't know, uh, April. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> accurate. April, who, who, who you got? I'm going with the therapist as well. Uh, it, she makes a lot of like, she's bringing a a lot of light to like the situation of the family, especially with like all of, I guess, the character development that we got out of Beth from this episode, you know, and even with, like, Rick, she, uh, you know, he's like, oh, like, I'm a scientist, like, I don't need this, I create, I destroy, like, you know, this is what it is, and she's, and, and to his point, she's like, oh, okay, like, yeah, that's what you do, but, like, there's more to just, like, creating and destroying things, like, you have to maintain, you have to clean them, like, you have to repair them, you know, and yeah, maybe that's not an adventure for you. And that's not like your like cup of tea. But what but even before that, like, she points out how like Beth's relationship with Rick has impacted her like the fi- the family dynamic, because I mean, I, I'm gonna go out there and say like Beth is sort of the outside of Rick and uh Beth is like the matriarch of the family. Like she's the one who's in charge. So like she's the one that sort of created this, you know, dynamic between not just like her and Morty and her and Summer, but like even like the, I guess the destruction of her relationship with Jerry, because she sort of sees how Rick, you know, it like excludes himself. Like he, he's not really like a part of the family, but yet he is. And so then she's just like, okay, well, like, you know, I see that. So I'm going to sort of mimic that to my extent. But the, what Beth doesn't really understand is that she's not Rick. So like, if she wants to have like successful relationships in her life, then she's going to have to, like, she's going to have to repair, maintain and clean. Whereas Rick, like therapy's, you know, she was right. Therapy's not going to be like resourceful for him. So, um, there's no point in like him going there, but if she wants to have a good relationship with like, her, her children especially, then it might be something that's worth exploring. So therapy went for me. <laughs> okay, okay. So we'll, we'll give uh, three points to April and John. They both expressed their postures very well. <laughs> Michelle, you did a very good job in expressing both sides of, uh, of the argument, but I we, we, we are in a who-you-got situation. A, a small, small I understand there. completely. Small there. But now, also, before we move on, is, do you think that there are any, like, real-world real world things to take out from here? Like, uh, it, is any of this ap- applicable to someone in real life, considering the, the, the benefits and, um, and discounts of, like expressing these things to a stranger as opposed to maybe someone who knows you any any observations on that front i'd say yes because actually and when april was talking it got me thinking i think one valuable thing we also learned about beth that the therapist said i think sometimes like people outside of situations have a clearer perspective than people that are directly involved so that's like one reason it could be good but um, because she's saying like, well, I, under- I I see your relationship with your dad's like a very particular one. It's one that like does not condone intimacy or emotion, and like you can see that's very much like a direct result of how like Beth has been shaped by having her as a father. Like she doesn't really value those things. It's because like of negative reinforcement associated with them. Like who knows what kind of characteristics she might have had if Rick had been like more open. So I just thought that was very interesting to see like Beth very much of a byproduct, not like 
necessarily like, oh, she's just like Rick. It's like, no, but like he definitely influenced her development a lot in very like obvious ways that we can see now in the wake of everything. I I definitely agree with that, especially like if you, you know, I know Rick and Morty is not one of those shows that you sort of think back on it. But like if you think back to like all of the episodes where you saw her interacting with like Jerry, um, like, you know, she didn't like reward like his, I guess, emotional like connection that he tried to maintain with her. Like she often would put it down or, Mm -hmm. you know, and so like you like it's you know you see you can see that now exhibited especially as the therapist like brought it to light not just to like beth but to us the viewer so it's not it's not like it's like oh the therapist is just saying this and then we're supposed to accept this truth but it's like a truth that's been set up for us and now we're just like like oh yeah that's yeah yeah interesting (laughs) thanks therapist yeah you're like fix it like i'd be curious to find out like if they actually like consulted real therapists to get the dialogue for um, Dr. Wong, like, just because it seemed very, probably like... probably did. Yeah, yeah it sounded like it, really legit. Yeah, because, like, I remember listening to it the first time, and I was like, this is super legit, like, this is very real, so... <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also, we have to consider, uh, you know, Jerry is definitely way more... Uh, emotional and way more romantic than uh beth was and you, you saw that for two seasons like beth beth to use an old expression she definitely wore the pants in that relationship it sort of had that sort of emotional detachment aloofness kind of thing going for it. and you could definitely see that you know that is definitely you see that in rick and you see that in rick's relationship with morty who you know is more of the warrior he he's more of the one who wants to have the emotions and stuff like that so yeah, that I could definitely see that. And the point the therapist made about, you know, how you have to build and maintain relationships is still a good one, though. Uh, you know, Rick does. Rick has no interest in that, obviously. And as I mentioned, he doesn't really need to. He even told Jaguar, you know, I love is not an emotion I feel. There's like infinite timelines where I have infinite daughters. I could just bop around. He even said, you know, I could bop around and replace you place uh, to more summer in the last episode. I could replace you guys in a heartbeat. It's just not worth my time. So you could sort of see it from Rick's perspective. Why does he need to build and maintain one of an infinite number of carbon copy relationships? Anybody want to counter that? <laughs> no, I, I agree with that for sure. Like, I mean, it's it's interesting because even amongst like the fun of the episode, there's a lot of like like real world like truths that are coming out of it like even when rick wasn't at the therapy just like um you know you said about like his conversation with jaguar it's like oh yeah that's true like he 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 did abandon his daughter like his real daughter like this this beth that we have now isn't the his real beth like she they're they're from a different you know timeline or dimension or whatever it is because we'll never know but (laughs) But yeah, so they left them in the Cron- It was the Cronenberg dimension, I think, that's where they yeah. left them. Yeah, like the the Beth in the Cronenberg dimension is his real daughter. Like this this Beth is not his daughter. So what attachment does he really have to her? Um, I can understand like having more of an attachment to the Morty because he brought Morty with him. But like the Beth or the Beth in the summer, like there it it's almost useless for him because he can just hop he can he can hop around from dimension to dimension and he's done it before so who's to say how many times he's actually done it 
You know what, though? This is making me think, though, and kind of back thinking about John talking about like the interaction that Rick has with Jaguar at the end. He, When Jaguar asks, oh, do I have like infinite darts too? And he's kind of like, uh, no, no, you don't. It kind of suggests that he has like enough awareness of other people that he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want you to know that because I don't want you to like be as callous as me and to consistently like if you lose one daughter, get another one. Like that's kind of messed up. And I, I kind of feel like a bigger potential thesis for the show could be like, well, does Rick care about this family? Like that's something they explore a lot. And we don't really have a clear answer yet, but I think the fact that, like, we keep touching on their inner relationships with each other, we keep challenging Rick's, like, you know, dismissiveness of his relationships, that, like, there could really be something there. And his awareness of his family needing better connections to each other could be, like, a sign of, like, a greater arc developing for Rick also. So I guess that's kind of my counter. Yeah. Rick Yeah. Uh, Rick, I, I think it's almost safe to say, though, by this point, Rick at least cares about Morty. Like, yeah. he does care about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, As for... I think, it, I think that's what, maybe the only other character that he cares about is Morty. Right, and he, he will work to keep at least that relationship. But, but it's a good life lesson anyway. I mean, Rick gets infinite chances. Regular humans only get one, so... You know, keep build, maintain, and work on those relationships that you have because you only get one. You're not Rick. Mm-hmm. At least I hope you're not Rick. <laughs> Let, let's all hope we don't become Rick, but <laughs> at least in that sense. Yeah. But maybe with the intelligence, maybe not with anything else. Ah, but does the intelligence there come without a price? <laughs> and yes, there are caveats. Uh, <laughs> another podcast. Yes. Another podcast. podcast. <laughs> you could probably dedicate. If, if you get lucky, you'll. If you get lucky, you'll land at, like, Sheldon Cooper. If you're lucky. <laughs> and you could probably dedicate an entire podcast to talking about just how Rick and Morty handles relationships in general, not just from this episode, but, like, the entire show so far. But I think we've done a good yeah, job sure. of dissecting how it's treated in this episode. So we'll we'll move on from that serious discussion and ease into the, the final round here. We'll talk, we'll talk more big big picture here. But just before we enter, a quick score update <laughs> for those who actually care about this. <laughs> uh, well, we have. I care. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. so, okay, April. Okay. Well, you, you and John are in the lead with 18 points, and Michelle brings up the rear just slightly at 16 points, but it's still anyone's game with the three segments le- left here. So, <laughs> so uh, now we'll, we'll go a little bit negative here. What would be the the weakest part of the episode to you? Uh, none of us gave it an A plus. So, well, what stood out to you is like maybe the weakest part. Uh, let's go with April here. I think the whole jaguar thing was very me. Um, like the introduction of his character, like it just didn't like inspire me. And I mean, it was fun, like whenever he was having his showdown with Rick, and that was really nice. But then like, somehow at the end, they're like allies, and you never like get to that point. And so I just think like that whole, that whole thing with him was just, it just wasn't like very well done. I think there could have been a better way to do it. Um, I mean, it's nice that, like, the stinger at the end of the episode was him saving them, I guess, because of the friendship that they formed. But again, like, I wouldn't, it just seems like, in light of everything that we've talked about, that that was just, like, Rick 
like using that relationship to his advantage. Like, oh, look, he ended up getting saved because he helped Jaguar escape. It just it didn't do it for me overall, at least weakest part. Okay, okay, John, what would be your weakest part of the episode here? Um, I think the weakest part for me was that for a show that does so well with subtlety and just sort of slipping slipping things in there and having it feel natural, a, a, huge parts were very on the nose. I did think there, I thought, you know, there was a lot of, it may have been because they were going for this, but, you know, Rick was very sort of outgoing and with, with how he viewed his relationships. He had the therapists describe basically at length in full dialogue. Uh, everything she thought about Rick's relationship, they described, so, you know, how, and they sort of had, you know, fl- sort of had a lot of exposition about the character's feelings. It felt a little too sort of matter of fact and put in there. And I think, I feel, I still feel like it could have worked if they were just a bit more subtle. They had a bit more showing rather than telling. I mean, it was still a good episode. They still made it work, but it, de- but it sort of felt a little off kilter as a Rick and Morty episode because of that. Hmm, okay, okay. And uh, Michelle, uh, what, what would you say would be the weakest part here? Um, I've got a side with April also. I thought Jaguar was the weakest part. And, like, for for a couple reasons, I think one reason I ended up liking the compound director more than Jaguar is his, his motivations were very, like, simple and very clear. Um, but Jaguar had, like, this whole backstory and, like, he goes, was from like hunting Rick to like being his ally about his daughter, and it's like, oh no, she's dead now. But it's like, why do we care? Because we're only invested in this for like the last chunk of the episode. It felt like for this to have landed, it would have had to have taken like at least half the episode, maybe the full episode to develop. Because like that was the thing with Rick seeing the stone. Like we really like the arm as a character because it's there most of the episode and you have more time to flesh it out so that you're investing like, oh no, like, yeah, you want him to get revenge. Whereas with Jaguar, we like, don't really know him that well at all. So it's really hard to care even when they like try to make him more interesting. So that's like, it just honestly felt too much for me, so it has to be the weakest part in my perspective. Okay. It was he was also like a very like like open and then shut character. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, he's done now. Yeah, like his purpose. Oh, we got our stinger with him. Like even at like the very end, like usually you expect something like completely like uh like off the wall from whatever had happened, but like it was like we had our introduction to Jaguar, and now our like we're done with him. Goodbye, like. <laughs> And I can see how we're supposed yeah, to be referencing, like, a certain kind of character that's, like, oh, like, the person that's, like, they're doing what they have to do because, like, they're doing it for somebody else. But, like, that also felt kind of generic. Like, there wasn't anything that was unique about Jaguar from any of those tropes. So it just left another layer of just, like, forgettability for me. Yeah, I definitely feel, I feel like Jaguar was mainly in there as a parody element. I didn't Yeah, really... he wasn't, like, a real mm-hmm. character. Yeah, that's yeah. I I do agree that you know he could have been a lot stronger, but at the same time, I I I deferred a little bit just because I kind of understand why they couldn't really leave leave him could really give him much because you only had thirty minutes. You had two, two you had an A plot going, you had a B plot going. If they tried developing him more, it would have just gotten a little bit too muddied. I thought. That was the thing, though, because then they gave him the backstory. Like, if they had kept his character as simple as, like, the therapist or as the compound director, very clear, simple objectives, like, I feel like it would have been easier 
to get into him. But because he was more complicated, the lack of time was actually like it hurt his character in that sense for like my viewing anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I was sort of looking at it from the parody perspective. It's like, okay, this is definitely a sort of Steven Seagal movie. Here's the evil villain. Here's the hero shooting up everybody. And here's the guy with an axe to grind. We're checking mm-hmm. all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we agree that Jaguar is a pretty one-dimensional character here. Um, before I announce final scores, does anybody want to discuss uh, John's assertion that the lack of subtlety was something that was uh, that harmed this episode, especially considering the title was Pickle Rick? Mm-hmm. Do, are we expecting subtlety in, in just like from the title alone? I mean, not well, really. Not really. I think like especially because the. I think with, like, the first episode of the season, it, everything seemed very straightforward with that. You know, we we touched and addressed a lot of, like, older plot lines and sort of closed them out and everything. And so even, like, with, um, you know, Rick Mancing the Stone and everything like that, like, that even that episode was, it seemed more straightforward than they ha- they had been ever. And so the fact that we ended up getting very straightforward in Pickle Rick was not... I mean, I don't think it hurt it. I think it like helped play into it a lot. And so it just it's another one of those things where like with this season, you you really don't know what you're going to get except that they've told us this is going to be the darkest season ever. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I will well, say there was there was subtlety. It was just like in the character interactions and like mostly in like the therapy session. That's when you got like little tidbits to think about like, oh, maybe this is why Beth is the way she is, stuff like that. But in the actual plot, it was like pretty straightforward. Like Rick's the pickle. He's going to get up to shenanigans. Okay. And that's exactly (laughs) what happened. But like it didn't feel like frustrating. It just felt like, yeah, it's like about what I expected. Okay. John, do you want to make a defense? But it's like the take. (laughs) Well, my defense is like in the past, whenever there's been sort of a big sort of takeaway, a character development takeaway, a thematic takeaway, it's been sort of, it's been, it's worked into the plot. It's crafted in the dialogue, in the lines. It, it doesn't jump right out at you. You see it at, you see it being played out. It's shown rather than being told. I felt like in this episode, there were just very long dialogue stretches where it felt more expository than they were in the past. I didn't really get an exposition tone from Rick Mancing the Stone because, again, when they were having problems with the divorce, it was worked through other methods. Uh, Morty worked it through Armathy. Uh, Summer worked it through her relationship with the... Oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, yeah, what's, his name? what's the guy's name? Again? <laughs> uh, Hemorrhage. 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 There we go. <laughs> it's worked through Hemorrhage. This one, this one felt it was almost, you know, throwing it right out there, having it there, explaining it so that the viewer knows it exists without any subtlety that's what i was that's what i was going for yeah can you expect subtlety from an episode called pickle rick in which the lead is rick is a pickle no but even even in obvious episodes like that they still work they still are able to weave the plot through rather than just have it as a big blob in at certain points okay okay so we'll, we'll give you two two points. I, I don't think that, that that's the weakest part, but I will give that you uh, you made a satisfying defense of your position here. Uh, we'll give April the full the full three points, and we'll give uh, Michelle two points. I think April did a little bit better in explaining just the why Jaguar doesn't entirely work in 
in this episode it, it does definitely feel like they are just working toward like that final gag and since it seems that, that that's one they had pretty early on judging from it being even in the intro <laughs> like tricking us all into believing it was something important but <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but we'll move on now to now just judging this episode based on the other uh, two episodes of season three that we've had so far we, we had as already mentioned the rick shank redemption we've had rick mancing the stone and now we have pickle rick so how would you re- rank these episodes from best to worst so far? Uh, let's go with John first. Uh, how would you rank them? Uh, of those three, I'm putting this in the in the number two slot, just above Rick Mance in the Stone and behind Rick Shank Redemption. Uh, despite my comments about having it, be, it being too expository, it was still a really good episode. You saw Rick. You saw pick again, pickle Rick. And also the fact that he was able to build a whole body was great. The interactions in the therapy room were great. Uh, it, it's not as it's not as fun as Rick. It's not as fun as Rick Mancing the Stone, which you know, was a great start to the season. But it was a little bit better than Rick Mancing the Stone, just because it um it definitely got it definitely moved a lot more forward than Rick Mancing the Stone. It feels like we're gaining track, we're gaining more traction in character development. And I feel like it's going to go a lot farther from there. Okay. J- just for clarification, you have Rick Shank at number one, or Rick uh, Rick Mansing the Stone at number one. Rick Shank. Uh, Rick Shank. Was, sorry, Rick Shank was number okay. one. Pickle Rick number two. Rick Mansing the Stone okay, number three. Okay. Okay. Let's go to April. How would you rank the episode so far? I. So I don't know. I always go back and forth because um, I really, I really did enjoy this episode a lot. Um, it's very much unlike the other episodes, which is like past episodes. And so I think it was really well done. I think this could have gone a lot worse. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it, as far as like an episode go, cause they did, they did so much character development in like one episode and not just for like, you know, Rick or Morty, but it was Beth of all characters. And then, you know, you see a lot of insight into Rick as well. Uh, which is again, it's so unlike the whole premise of the show and it's a lot to sort of throw out there, but I think they did it in, they did it eloquently. And so, uh, plus I had, a, there was a lot of moments that actually made me laugh out loud, which I appreciate, uh, even if they weren't like big, huge, like bursts of laughter. So I'm right now I'm going to do pickle Rick number one, uh, Rick shank redemption two, and Rick Mancing the stone for three. Okay, pickle Rick at the top then. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, also, my my fiance really really enjoyed this episode, and I like whenever he enjoys point. the same. <laughs> yeah, do it. <laughs> so I like points. when he enjoys things with me. So. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, let's go to Michelle. Uh, how would you rank the episode so far? Um, I actually ended up ranking them in terms of airing order. <laughs> um, so I put episode one as the first, episode two as the second, episode three as the third. And none of these are bad episodes. I just think, like, in terms of, like, my first and second viewing experiences, like, episode one was just really gratifying in a purely, like, spectacle level. Like, it was awesome seeing Rip jump through bodies and just, like, seeing, like, the world expand and seeing, like, how... Because we were all aware, like, that was the big thing. Like, how is he gonna get out of this? And it made so much sense, but they took so much time being like, oh, like, he's gonna, like, get in, 
like the, the the guy who's in charge of like interrogating his body and he's gonna jump to everyone's body and like how long did it take him to plan this but it was like executed so well and like his his way of like deciding like well who's like the most important person oh okay i'm gonna take your body now i just like thought it was really fun and like a very fun idea and it felt like the thought out craziness of like expanding concepts is carried through to, to season three um episode two i really it was that was the one that just like i laughed a lot um at like so many of the gags worked for me i love the concept of mad max and i didn't think it was overplayed like i love seeing like that side of summer just be like be a really good killer and just like not care which like now like we've had a therapy session and we can see like oh well maybe like she's developing the same tactics of dealing with conflict is Beth whereas like Morty's more like his dad and like isn't that interesting like I like the consistency and like those characters holding together in that way and their actions like you can go back and rewatch down and be like yeah that's consistent like good job show um and this episode this past episode was really great like I, I loved the character interactions more than anything. Like, I love the plot of Rick. He was doing great being a pickle. But, like, therapy stuff is what I really enjoy. Because, like, character interactions is, like, my fave. Like, character development is, like, my thing. So, yeah, there were no bad ones. But, like, it definitely, like, yeah. First, first episode, number one. Second, number two. Third, <laughs> not a bad place. Spot three is not bad for <laughs> so yeah, and I think that's a correct conclusion to take here. That really, it, uh, although we're I'm making you rank them, but they're they're all really good, and I don't think there's a wrong order here. E- even putting Pickle Rick at the top, I I think that is justifiable, and April did a good job at, at making that defense. So I think you you all get three points for your your rankings here. So <laughs> we'll hey. we'll go into the final question. We did get a short trailer for the for the next episode, Vindicators Three: The Return of World Ender, which is a very strange title. But <laughs> what would be your best guess for what the plot is going to be of next week's episode, if at all? Uh, let's go with uh, Michelle. How, how would you guess? Well, I'm guessing based on the trailer that like the group of like rando people, including like the crocodile and like. I don't know, lava guy are like the the superhero team, the Vindicators. And somehow Rick and Morty get involved. Maybe like Rick's like notorious like intelligence like precedes him and like everyone just like knows about him. So they call him up and they're like, hey, can you help us out with this like world ender? He's kind of a big deal. You know, he like ends worlds and stuff. Can you like help us stop him? And Rick gets Morty tag along because Morty's great and their bond is like the strongest. Um, and I'm assuming that episode will be about like their interactions with the other people on the team and seeing what those characters' dynamics are like um, and trying to stop World Ender maybe question mark with Rick. You never know if that's what actually is going to happen. <laughs> maybe they'll like friends with him. Maybe they'll turn against the Vindicators. But that's my guess. Okay, let's go to John. What would be your guess for the next week? Well, you know it's going to be a strange episode when you when you realize that Norm Macdonald is playing the superhero. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the, so the, there's your celebrity for next week. Um, it's going to be you know they arrive on a ship. There's these guys who think who they think they're superheroes. They're obviously their the theme is they're really cool. The Norm Macdonald plays a showboating hero who likes to drink a lot. Rick gets jealous and. I think what's going to wind up happening is the twist is that they're vil- is that they're actually supervillains who are trying to destroy a planet for 
whatever reason. It's going to be like a very sort of cliche comic book type thing. I have a funny feeling about that. Rick get, Rick is envious, and then he starts using his, his envy to try. Then he starts realizing that they're villains. He tries to convince Morty that they're actually villains, but Morty says, no, you're just jealous. Then something happens. There's a big reveal. They're villains. Rick destroys them, and meanwhile, Beth talks to Jerry, and they try to work it out, slash Beth delivers him more of his stuff. Okay, okay, and we also got a B-plot prediction there. Uh, April, would, would you like to get take a guess here? Um, so I think we're going to get like a, I'm calling it a classic Rick and Morty episode because they like to sort of make fun of like movies and movie plot lines. So I feel like this is going to be very like Avengers-esque and, uh, how Rick and Morty got there is probably totally random and, uh, they probably just stumbled upon it accidentally would be my best guess knowing the two of them, um, and yeah, I think we'll, I think it's just going to be like a very sort of classic episode, uh, where, and then eventually like either Rick just gets bored or, and he just decides to like, you know, ruin everything or something like that. And then that's how the episode ends. So, and then maybe like, we'll get a stinger with like how Jerry's doing. Cause we haven't seen him. So. All right. All right. Uh, I think J- John wins that round. He was um, very detailed in what was going to go down. Also predicted a twist ending and explained the B plot. April and Michelle, you did fine. It, you both get two points there. So now time to tabulate the results. Uh, somebody give me a uh, somebody <laughs> give me a drum roll. Uh, how much longer do we have? Yeah, how much longer, man? Okay. Ooh, okay. So, uh, in third place, we have Michelle with a total of 23 points. Yay! <laughs> third place! In an interesting case, we have a tie at first place between April and John with 26 points. Yeah. So does that mean I can actually yeah. be second well, place? Yeah, I guess you can call yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silver medal's better than in line, of pick, in line of pickle Rick, we can call you number two. Um, anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so we're going to need a tiebreaker here. So let's go with let's spin the wheel here. Um, oh, that's a really good wheel spinning <laughs> noise. <laughs> and we landed on Solenia. Okay. <laughs> so if yes! so if you want to talk about if, that, that was a good So gag. if you were to make an entire episode centered around Solenia, what what would cause his anger and what would he do? Let's go to uh, John first. Let, well, what would Solenia do if you gave him an entire episode? Uh, Solenia would arise from the trash can, the, the discarded remains of some Russian type of soup. He would then walk up to small children who, he would walk up to small children who threw out that soup and say, you threw me out, you wasted valuable food, and go through some polemic, and then takes the child out of his house, puts him in a sack, and throws the kid in soup. Not to be eaten, but but is thrown out into a trash can from hell where the child is lost oh, so forever. So and that is the story. And that is, yep. <laughs> yes, to see how, how it feels to be not only, to be made to soup and then wasted. 
You're not even being eaten. You're being wasted. You were garnish. <laughs> and that is how and that is how poor Russian peasant families teach their kids to to clean their plates. Okay, that that's a solid uh, B, horror B movie right there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, bonus bonus points for voice work. Uh, let's go to April. What, what is your idea of a Solenia episode? I can't. I can't even think of anything that can top that. Like, I want to. I want to watch that episode. Can I have that? Can I concede? <laughs> yeah, we will call it a forfeit, and we have John McKenna as the winner of this week's panel. <laughs> uh, you get thirty seconds of FaceTime. Go, John. Okay, so. While we're on the subject of politics and cold foods, I would like to give my thoughts on pickles. If you eat bread and butter pickles, oh, they are terrible. They're way too yes, sweet. Yes, they are. Pickle... Yes, thank you. A pickle is best when they it are. is tart. A pickle is best when it is tart and a little bit spicy. I have made my own pickles before. They, uh, if you make them, if you make them spicy and you keep them in a the fridge a long time, it is the perfect summertime treat. They're nice and cool, a little, little bit briny, and the best part is with the remaining juice. At night, with a shot of Jack Daniels, there's no better drink. There's no better drink. So that is my hot take on cold foods. Pickles. Sour and spicy and great with whiskey. I did not know people drank pickle juice with whiskey. <sighs> I didn't know pickle either. Juice. I'm. I really uh, want to try this, and I hate whiskey. <laughs> uh, uh, pick, it's, a, it's called a pickleback. Uh, basically, I think the idea is you... I don't... It, the order depends, but... Yeah. It, yeah, you do it... You do a shot. You do a shot of one, and then you follow it up immediately with a shot of the other. And which order is a matter of personal preference. Now, would Rick be? But it would Rick works. like that drink? I feel like he'd like the whiskey yeah, straight, sure. but like maybe he'd also like the yeah, what, juice what straight. Like, that, like I feel like he'd like handle the extra either. effort. Would he? Well, the problem, well, the, no. the big question is: Would he? The question is: Would he actually like pickles now that he, given that he bit him? Himself already when he was a pickle. Wouldn't he think of that as sort of cannibalism? I don't know. By he now. was willing to bite himself to get the rats to come over or the the bugs. So I don't know. I think he'd be fine with it. I think he'd be okay with it too. I can't see him having a problem with it. He's pretty jaded. <laughs> I think he'd be fine. <laughs> He's pretty crazy, guys. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, I think we'll we'll end up here and tune in next time for a next week's episode of the Rick panel. <laughs> we'll see if we have a different winner. I believe John, you're a back-to-back winner, or, am I right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So well, hopefully we'll get in uh, we'll Yay. get a, a new winner, but we'll see if you can defend your title. But uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find out all the info about on this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overtheanimated. And we want to give thanks to all of our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Steve, a.k.a. Frequent Commenter Steve. And we also want to give thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Andy, and yours truly. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hope any, any final thoughts before we leave here. This was fun. <laughs> I liked this. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, hope... Please We're, enjoy not pickle We're not Pickle Rick. We're not Pickle Rick. That's enjoy... what to cheer about. <laughs> yeah. Please enjoy Picklebacks responsibly and follow your local national drinking laws. Yes. Okay, strong point to end on. <laughs> so the, 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 thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs>